It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, a day later than normal, but we have a good reason for that. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless has made it back to Parts Unknown. How are you, Painter? Doing well. Doing well. Took some of that warm weather with me. Very pleased about that. That's good. That's good. Uh, So Painter's back in Parts Unknown. Little a day later because of the New Year's holiday and also... You know, well, if you're listening to this feed, whether you're a free member or a subscriber, you did get a Friends of the Program episode on Monday morning with uh, Painter, Dave, and Pablo. Uh, and now, here's your usual weekend podcast just a day later, because we have a special guest on today to talk about Auburn's next basketball game, and we'll also get into some other stuff with him for sure. One of our favorites, a dear, dear friend of the newsletter and of the podcast. He is currently at uh, Dogs 247 covering the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, they're playing. They're still playing football games of some importance, but we're going to talk about basketball with him. Uh, it's our buddy Jordan Hill, back returning champion. What's up, Jordan? Hey, what's going on, guys? And uh, I got to say, it was news to me that you're allowed to play basketball during football season. Y'all brought up basketball, and I said, heck, I didn't think that started for another couple weeks. So I, it's been like finals over here, man. I've been, you know, cracking out the book, stayed up all night, uh, trying to get ready for this podcast. Yeah, we appreciate that because, you know, it, it is, it's been basketball season in Auburn for a month now, um, you know, fully on that. We'll, you know, Hugh Freeze and the new staff doing a lot of work in recruiting. Transfer portal's still swirling. All that stuff's still very, very important. But um, it, it's been basketball mode over here. And for Georgia, you know, Auburn's playing a Georgia team. This is interesting. Last year, when Auburn played Georgia for the first time, and that was a road game um, you know, in January, or I'm sorry, a home game for Auburn in January, um, at that point in time, Georgia was five and thirteen, and hadn't you know it was a few games into SEC play. This year, they're going to play Georgia. It's Georgia's SEC opener, but the Bulldogs have already doubled their win total from that point from last season. Uh, they are ten and three under Mike White. Um, got a few, I I think a few pretty good wins uh, for a team that we thought would be kind of in rebuilding mode this year. They beat Notre Dame in Atlanta by 15, beat Chattanooga by 7. Chattanooga is usually a really good mid-major. Losses are all two pretty quality opponents. Wake Forest, UAB, lost a heartbreaker to Georgia Tech, which is always a big one for them. Uh, but Jordan, Mike White and the Dogs are 10-3 and three heading into SEC play. Right off the bat, is this what we expected is this a surprise that 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 georgia's kind of put it together it's good because last year they were one of the worst teams in power conference basketball uh and now i mean they haven't played a brutal schedule uh but like i said they've got a few good wins to their name and and uh you know they have they're coming into this non-conference i mean this conference late i think from the outside looking in with momentum what's kind of been the reaction to what's gone on in Athens with Mike White for sure and I do think that it helps when Mike White came in I mean the bar was literally on the floor Um, I think the the fans of the podcast who are listening will really enjoy remembering uh, can either y'all remember the only SEC win Georgia had last year Banner that would be to the one Alabama Crimson Tide 
they somehow beat Alabama, and that was the only win Georgia had. But, you know, I kind of just threw that in there uh, for a little bit of fun. But, uh, I mean, it was so bad last year. And Mike White was hired. Um, I'd say the crowd goes mild uh, on the, yeah. the news of that hire. We all just went, huh? And that it wasn't really – I hadn't really heard really any rumors about him being a target until it was announced. Uh, but, you know, he came in. I thought he hired a really good assistant staff. Uh, some of the guys he coached with at Florida, uh, Eric Pastrana, Akeem Mistine, uh, Antonio Reynolds, uh, Dean from Clemson, a guy who's from Georgia, I think will really help as far as recruiting the state. And then they just went and totally remade the roster, went into the portal and got some guys. And, you know, I thought that the non-conference slate set Georgia up well to try to build some momentum. And there were some, some pretty tough games on there. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, I had it playing out where they went 10-3. and three. The only things I swapped, I had them beating Georgia Tech, losing Notre Dame, and um, you swapped those two wins. But I think a lot to like um, when Mike White was hired, when we talked to him uh, at an SEC Media Day before the season, you know, he just harped on this is going to be built on defense, which is huge because – they were dreadful on defense yeah. in Tom Crean's, especially his last year, which it was already clear that was going to be Tom Crean's last year. There was a total exodus on the roster. You lost pretty much all your talent and really had no choice but to try to pull people from the portal who, you know, I, I don't want to disparage those guys because, hey, you're going to take that opportunity. They weren't SEC players. And, and they mm-hmm. found themselves in games where they could score. You know, offense really wasn't the issue, but – you know, they could hang tight for a little bit, and then they'd give up like a 13-0 run, and, you know, they just had no chance. Their defense was such an issue. And Mike White talked about their strategy defensively was going to be to play what's called the side defense, which is what Mark Adams, uh, you know, really um, made a name for himself when he was an assistant at Texas Tech. And a lot of NBA teams, the Warriors, I know, are among them that play this yeah. style of defense. Um, you know, where you're really trying to keep the ball on one side of the court, force turnover, turnovers and, and things like that. And I do think it helped with buy-in that Mike could show these guys, look, this is what is being played at the next level if you see yourself as an NBA player one day, that this will benefit you. And they built a lot on defense. I think that they've done a good job as non-con went on of trying to figure out how exactly they wanted to attack on offense. Um, probably the most impressive game they put together, and this wasn't really considering the opponent, I mean, they beat the brakes off St. Joseph's. It was so impressive. Um, played well offensively, really, in the first half. And uh, in that first half, I think they only gave up something like 15 points. I mean, they mm. just locked down on St. Joseph's. St. Joseph's played better in the second half. But um, early on, it seemed like they got really three-point happy. And you could tell Mike White didn't want that to be uh, what this team did because they're not particularly – I mean, they were volume shooters when they were hitting from three. And when they've had success, like in the Tech game and really in that Notre Dame game, they really fed their bigs. Braylon Bridges, uh, Matthew Alexander Moncrief is a guy they got from Oklahoma State, who at one point was a, a huge prospect coming out of Canada when he signed with Oklahoma State. Um, but they've really uh, kind of been more about, hey, let's score down low. We don't need to just live and die by the three because they got a few guys that can shoot it, but not – if that's the entire offense, they're not going to be able to do it that way. Uh, but I, I think there's been a lot to like 
year one, I think the people that truly follow the Georgia basketball program um, that are fans and are going to go to games and, and pay attention to them, uh, maybe not as much as the football team, but enough to call themselves legitimate fans. I think they like what they've seen. I think that they had reasonable expectations just given where this program was a year ago. And uh, I do think that they like what they've seen. And, and I know just from someone watching it, it's been a fun team to cover. And I think, again, you have uh, your expectations at a reasonable place. But uh, they've been enjoyable to watch. And I'm just really intrigued, especially with them playing Auburn to start conference play. I mean, truthfully, I, I feel like I'm going to learn a, ter- a, a whole lot about this Georgia team just because they're playing this Auburn team. It's really interesting because, like you said, Mike White was not a hire that a lot of people got excited about because it was perceived that he had underachieved at Florida. It was a program that's got really, really high standards, and they were getting to the tournament, but they, you know, it just really wasn't what you would expect Florida basketball to be. But, you know, I remember, Painter, we were talking about this when he got hired at, at, at Georgia. It was like, okay, but if Georgia can get to where Florida is right now, that's a whole lot better than they have been. And it's it's an interesting thing because I, I think there's a lot of similarities to what Mike White or even a, you know, a guy like Tom Crean uh, inherited at Georgia where it's like Auburn and the fact that like you got to get people to really care about this because you haven't had a ton of success. You know, Georgia, like Auburn, can point to, hey, we had this Hall of Fame player back in the day and, oh, we had a, a team or two that people really, really liked – but for the majority of its history, its modern history, it's just not been very, very successful. And so, you know, I I, I do wonder kind of how Mike White's going to be able to do that. Because, like, with Bruce Pearl, you know, he's a, he's a promoter. He's a showman. He, he you know, he, he literally worked in media during his time away from college basketball. Like, that got people excited. Mike White is more of, like... To me, it's like you know, Mark uh, Mike White reminds me a lot of the guy that that uh, that Crean replaced in Mark Fox, which is he's just a good basketball coach. And I, I don't know, Jordan. Like, do you think there is a path? And I'm not saying make it to the Final Four, win the SEC title, like do all the stuff that Auburn has done. But is there a path for people to be like, okay, Georgia basketball is something that people care about uh, and, and get excited about, and maybe you can like fill in Stegman Coliseum and stuff like that instead of oh, it's the thing that kills some time between the end of football season and the start of spring season, which is kind of the vibe I get from Georgia basketball a lot of the time. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to see how exactly it plays out, but I do think that there is the path for that happening. I mean, and and you gave a great example with Auburn men's basketball, and I think, too, about Auburn gymnastics. Think about how Auburn gym has become a huge deal, and rightfully so. But with me, with Mike White, yeah, he's not going to be the – you know, the showman who wants the mic drop down and come on down and see us on Tuesday when we're playing. But to me, I think of, which feels very like fitting for a guy like Mike White, but like Field of Dreams. Like if you build it, they will come. Like you have to, I think he understands it's going to take winning for people to legitimately care about Georgia basketball. And and he said as much, you know, we had a chance to talk to him. Uh, he gave time for a couple one-on-ones during the summer. And, you know, I was really um, – uh, honest talking to Mike and said, look, I really like covering basketball. You know, our message board, there are people who care, but, you know, I said, you know, I really want to cover this team and make people care. And he said, we got to give you guys something to cover. I mean, you know, he just straight up said, like, look, we got to give you guys something that people want to read about. And uh, I think he understands, you know, I think 
it's a situation that you see in sports sometimes where I think Mike saw the opportunity at Georgia as a good chance to reset. And I think that, you know, I can remember he was a hot name when he was coming out of Louisiana Tech, and obviously that makes sense that he got the Florida job because that was a, a big job when he got it. I mean, he beat Georgia in the NIT one year here in Athens, and I remember, you know, people talked about him, and I think that Georgia kind of had them him on his radar back then, and, and you know, between then and, um, you know, he ultimately gets the Florida job before the Georgia job ever came open again. Uh, but I, I think he understands that if you're able to win, people are more willing to show up, and, and there were actually some good crowds. There was a pretty good crowd for that Chattanooga game, which was like a 3 o'clock Eastern tip. I mean, it was a terrible time for a game, but I kind of looked up at halftime, and it was kind of a late-arriving crowd, but I was like, I mean, for this to be a, an afternoon game, this is a pretty good crowd. Um, I think there's a window. It's just it's It comes down simply to can you win enough? Can you build enough? Um, can you bring in players that people want to see? And I think they did a pretty good job with this first little sign-in cycle. They got a four-star power forward, Dylan James from Florida. Uh, got a, a four-star uh, uh, small forward from, uh, I think he's he's from Georgia, and Mari Jordan. They've got some talented guys. I mean, they don't have, you know, the uh, uh, Anthony Edwards or anything like that that uh, Tom Creighton was able to bring in, but um, it's all about winning. If you're going to get people to care, especially at a time where Georgia football in the modern era especially has never been better, um, it's going to take wins, and uh, I think they understand that and kind of understand that that's what they're looking at. The interesting thing here about Georgia is, like you said, they, they rebuilt their roster in the transfer portal, which is a lot of what, a lot of what first-year coaches do nowadays, um, you know, and even non-first-year coaches are having to do it in college basketball. But there's two guys on this team that are back from last season that stayed put. And, you know, you look at, like, obviously different circumstances, but, like, LSU lost everybody when they when they changed their, their coaching staff. And you've seen big – I mean, there was a big exodus with Tom Crean, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, but Cario Kendo and Braylon Bridges are both back at Georgia, and they seem to be kind of two, two of the key pieces uh, – so they're, they're guys that, you know, Auburn fans should be familiar with. Uh, last year, uh, Akendo scored uh, 25 in that game that Auburn escaped on the Wendell Green Jr. bucket late. Uh, he didn't play in that first matchup. So I think that was a pretty big case. And then uh, I believe, yeah, um, yeah, Braylon Bridges had double digits in both of his games against Auburn last season. So some familiar faces. Why did those guys decide to stay back? Uh, at Georgia when, you know, it could have been very easily uh, a spot where you could go somewhere else or think about going somewhere else, especially with the with the turnover in the coaching staff. Looking at both those guys, and I'll talk about each individually, I think the shared consensus was they were not happy with the state of Georgia, you know, the program, and saying, you know, to walk away from how bad it was. I think both those guys were motivated to sort of change that narrative about Georgia. Cario was a really interesting case where last season, uh, you know, you see like the NFL meme when it comes to some of these receivers where it's like, screw it, Jamar Chase is down there somewhere. Like, just throw the ball up. It got to the point with Georgia basketball where it was just like, screw it, just let Cario go do something. And they would lose games, but it was like, like the highlight that I saw more than any last year was Cario dunking on Tennessee, and that's a game I don't remember the final score, but ten, I mean Tennessee probably won by fifteen or so. I, I don't remember, but that's uh, I'm what looking it, at 
I look at his numbers now. I was like, sorry to cut you off, but like he 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 scored thirty three in a game where they lost by fourteen to Texas A and M. Yeah, I mean it, it was empty calories, and no discredit to Cario because he's making plays, but like it meant nothing. The season was pretty much over, and they just said, "Well, let's let this guy go play." He enters the portal, and I mean, I, I was under the impression he's leaving. I don't know where he's going. He's going to go somewhere else. Well, about the time he goes in the portal, Terry Roberts, a guard he played with at JUCO at uh, Florida Southwestern State, he goes in the portal uh, from Bradley and had a good season at Bradley. And uh, Georgia starts recruiting Terry Roberts, and they're also talking to Cario. And uh, the thing that I've appreciated when I've talked to Mike White, just about various things, he's really candid, and, and he's pretty straightforward. And he said, you know, we had reached out to Cario and said, look, we'd love to have you. We get that you're looking at other opportunities, but we think we can build this thing with you a part of it. And, you know, uh, Mike White said, you know, we kind of left it at that. He said, I, I kind of just assumed, you know, he's probably going to go somewhere else, but you got to at least give that pitch. Terry and Cario had kind of talked about it, and I don't think that Terry was the, you know, the driving factor in Cario coming back, but I think that Cario did look around and say, you know, there, that there are pieces that I like what I'm hearing from Mike White and sort of seeing, you know, really an actual role instead of just, you know, having the ball rolled over to you and say, try to go make something happen. Um, I think that was a big piece of why he decided to come back. And then with Braylon Bridges, you know, I think that he's just a guy that, um, a Georgia guy, I think he's from Atlanta. Uh, you know, he never went into the portal. I think he saw that, um, you know, I, I think he probably more bided his time to see what was going on and probably got to hear from this coaching staff and, and probably saw, too, that this roster was going to have a whole lot more talent. I mean, I think they pulled in six guys from the portal and uh, had signed a high school power forward out of Texas, uh, Kyron Lindsey, who actually has already left the program. It's been one of the one of the stranger developments with this team this year. But I think Braylon saw that there were a few guys that were going to be back from the previous team, a walk-on Jackson Etter, uh, Jabri Abdur-Rahim, a um, few other guys that decided, hey, we're going to stick it out uh, like Cario as well, and said, hey, let's run it back. Um, Braylon had actually shot really well. I think he might have been like – third in the nation something pretty wild as far as field goal percentage I mean a lot of his shots are around the goal um, but I think he said hey let's run this back let's see what we can do and again try to bring up a program that was in a really really dark place at the end of the Tom Crean era and so far so you know so good especially for those two guys two guys have played really well I think Braylon has really broken out he was SEC player of the week after that Notre Dame game he went nine for nine from the field Mm-hmm. Um, just an impressive performance. Him and M.A. Moncrief combined for 16-16 against Notre Dame. So uh, definitely tough decisions for both those guys, but just to this point going to SEC play, I think it's fair to say they paid off. Look at this Georgia team. Two things stand out to me. Number one, and this just glancing through Kempom. Actually, I'll say three. Number one, you're right. This is a team that's built by defense. Uh, they are pretty good. They're top 100 in a lot of defensive categories. Uh, in in college basketball this year, they rebound the ball particularly well uh, as well. Don't give up a lot of fouls. Um, the second thing that stands out to me is that their bench minutes, they are third in bench minutes in college basketball this season. That's more than Auburn. And now Auburn is tightening up their rotation some here as they've gotten closer to SEC play, you know, and, and some guys have kind of had their minutes adjusted a good bit and they're, and they're playing some of their starters a lot more than, than usual. Uh, but you know, Georgia's, uh, I, I I think full credit to to uh, Mike White. If you're 
rebuilding something and you're trying to get people to buy in in terms of your roster, playing a bunch of dudes is going to help that. Uh, it seems, it seems to be, um, so before I get to the third thing, just how much have you seen that kind of impact this Georgia team? Because that's one thing where Auburn can usually say, well, we're just deeper than you. We're going to run you out there and, and we're going to, we're going to play more guys. George, George is literally, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. George is literally the only team they play this year, um, that plays more bench minutes than Auburn does. So like how much has that kind of impacted the way this Georgia team plays? Well, it's huge, and honestly, it was funny early on. It was hard to get a good read on the team because you kind of had to balance, okay, is this team just super deep, or is there just so much parity that there's not much of a talent difference between this guy starting and, well, I mean, this guy is just a a bench player, a reserve that we're going to get some minutes for. So, you know, it was kind of hard early on determining, so how good is this team? You know, especially when they're playing some of these games where you're like, well, I mean, they're more talented than a team like Ryder, or they're more talented of a team like Florida A&M. But I think as this has gone on, I think you're seeing more of, um, you know, Georgia really getting a good feel for who they want playing important minutes. And and it's helped, too, as the year went on, um, especially the non-conference slate. You know, a guy like Jalen Ingram, who's a guy that they had gotten from Florida Atlantic, he gets hurt last year, I think the ninth or 10th game against Jacksonville, had been playing really well. Uh, played the four for Tom Crean, tears his ACL, and uh, he'd been working his way back since then. And he didn't play in some of those early games, and you kept kind of watching and waiting. He's been really good since he came back. He's been a really good, efficient three-point shooter, even as big as he is, and has given them some really good minutes, and he's sort of factored into that. Um, Mike White had been asked several times in those early games, you know, you're going so deep on the bench, do you want to kind of cut into it? And he was kind of, I wouldn't say hesitant, but he was like, we're going to let it play out, and we're going to see how this kind of factors in and see who plays the roles best. I do think they got a better feel for that, and I do think that we'll still see them kind of tinker with that. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, they, they lost a pretty important piece in Kyron Lindsay, who decided to go into the portal. Uh, he had started eight games. He had a double-double early in the year. Uh, their only high school signee in their first cycle on this staff I'm not entirely sure what's up and where he's going to land. There's some people who think he's a little bit homesick. He's from Denton, Texas. But a really talented guy, but by taking him out, well, that's one less piece you kind of have to factor in when you're thinking about how deep you go. Um, So they've got good players. They've gotten some really good contributions from their bench, and uh, I do think that that's benefited them. And, and again, I think they've kind of learned with the rest of us of of who kind of plays well together. Um, who is important as far as coming in and playing some of those key bench minutes and who they can count on if they're in some of those games like Georgia Tech where it's coming down to the wire and they need guys they can rely on. The the third thing that stands out to me about Georgia is that they turn the ball over a lot. Uh, they are 307th in the country in turnover percentage, 335 in non-steal turnovers, which means they are you know, offensive fouls, throwing the ball out of bounds, traveling, stuff like that. Auburn turns the ball over a decent bit as well, and it's kind of been this thing the last few weeks for them is like when they take care of the ball, their offense can operate decently enough with their defense and their rebounding that they can play good basketball. We saw this uh, in, in the in the win over Florida last week. We saw it in the second half against Washington. It was the reason why they lost to USC. Georgia is interesting. Is like they kind of have the same thing. 
the interesting thing that also pops out is like when you look at Georgia, like the games where they've really struggled with turnovers aren't necessarily the games that they lost, but it's the games where like they're playing Bucknell or uh, Miami of Ohio or Western Carolina, and you look up and you're like, oh, this is probably a little bit closer than it should be. Now, if you're Georgia and you're rebuilding, you're like, you'll take any win that you can get. And, and I mean, truth be told, Auburn's had some wins that are closer than they should have been this year. But, like, to me, this game is really going to kind of stand out to, like, these are two teams that can get <laughs> loose with the ball. And it's like whoever takes care of the ball the best and gets to lean on that defense a little bit more will have – kind of the edge what have you seen from georgia in that particular aspect um and how how like how how much have you seen like uh is it like auburn where you're like oh when they take care of the ball they can make some things happen when they don't it, it looks really bad yeah i mean i think you made a great point that it seemed to happen more in some of those games where you were like you know more than likely georgia could pretty much ride a number um you know and i know this is still year one but they are more talented than a bucknell or like a florida a&m but like that miami of ohio game they get up like 15 and you could tell that they were like hey man we're we're up 15 and then all of a sudden just got sloppy with the ball and, and i do wonder if part of it is sort of going back to the fact that mike white is building this thing off of defense and still valuing offense obviously but it's like They've still been trying to kind of find their way, and, and I had mentioned that earlier, how they sort of retooled how they wanted to attack offensively. Um, but value in the basketball. I wish I had a dollar for every time I've heard Mike White talk about that after a game. Just we have to value the basketball more. And I do think that they made strides. I mean, the game that I think where they did a really good job of that was the Notre Dame win where, uh, you know, they turned Notre Dame over pretty well. And I think in the first half of that Notre Dame game, they had forced more turnovers than Notre Dame was averaging for uh, 40 minutes of basketball. And uh, it's going to be something that I think they just have to grow and kind of learn. And, and I do think that it'll help, again, um, once you got these guys getting more games together under their, uh, you know, in under their belts. Uh, because these guys, a lot of these guys had never played together before this year. I mean, you think about having a guy from uh, Bradley, having a guy from Oklahoma State, having a guy from Alabama. I mean, they've, they've pulled guys that are not used to playing together and, and threw them onto this team. And I think that they knew there were going to be some growing pains. Um, you know, I think that, again, it, it's one of those things I, I have, uh, on the whole, really liked what I've seen. But I know that, you know, they're about to step into a really tough uh, conference slate and I think it's going to be challenging and that's really these early SEC games I want to see how much they value the basketball because um, you know I think they're going to go up against teams that are you know more talented than them starting with this game against Auburn they can't afford to just have you know a tremendous number of turnovers if they're going to hang tight and I think we're going to learn if they have made the kind of progress that Mike White wants to see when it comes to valuing the basketball. So you mentioned it earlier, you're talking about how Georgia's got a pretty good first signing class, it looks like, under under Mike White, and there's there's still time for that to grow. It's been kind of a thing. I've done it a couple of times now at the Observer, but I'm not going to do it this year because nothing really has changed as much. But, like, Auburn has so very much dominated the state of Georgia in terms of recruiting. Now, this these last two cycles, like right now, Aiden Holloway, is their only only signee. He's not from Georgia. They didn't sign anybody from Georgia last year. They're going to try to really hit 24 hard. Ace Bailey, um, uh, the big name there, uh, put Auburn in his like top 11 or 12 or something like that, and Auburn's supposed to be a pretty big contender for him. But you know, Auburn has just been able to go into the state of Georgia and get whoever they want. And, I mean, Georgia's had some guys. 
Anthony Edwards obviously is the is, is the big name there. But is there a sense, I guess, of maybe not explicitly Auburn, but like is there a sense with Mike White and this team where it's like you look around, it's like, oh, people are coming into our backyard and taking the guys that we want. Um, and like, you know, how much is that? We, we talk about it all the time in football. You can rebuild a football team on the field and you can do all the stuff that you need to do to get things going, but like you got to get the dudes. And in college basketball, it's a little different with the portal being as big as it is, but is there that sense with Mike White, even though he wasn't known as a dynamite recruiter at Florida? It's like, okay, all right, you know, <laughs> you, you've gotten you, teams like Auburn and then there are others have just been able to come in and just and just dominate your own state. Is there a sense like, all right, you got to start pushing back on that? And I know Cream was supposed to, but it, outside of Anthony Edwards, it didn't really seem like they they had like the big one in the, in the state of Georgia. Yeah, with with uh, Crean, he had a staffer that they were recruiting well early on. He gets the Kennesaw State job, and I just don't think after that it, it ever you know was to the point that people thought it would be. But with Mike White, I think he's been very smart in talk, talking about this topic, and because it's a big deal, and and you know Georgia fans are aware of it. I mean, I hope Bruce Pearl uh, sent fruit baskets to like Mark Fox and his staff and, and Tom Crean and his staff, because just, I mean, that's where so much of Auburn's talent the last few years have come and you're not going to sign everybody. And I think people are aware of that, but when Mike White has talked about it, you know, he's harped on the importance of the state of Georgia and the importance of the AAU circuit here. And I think that had a lot of ears perk up, uh, among fans because a lot of the, the last few coaches didn't really want to fool with AAU or give it the attention it, it definitely deserves. But Mike White has also said, but we need the right guys. You know, they can't just be from the state of Georgia. We have to go out and, and get guys that fit what we're trying to do. Um, so I, I'm really intrigued. Again, uh, one of the guys they signed is from Georgia. The other one's from Florida. Um, and, and, you know, they've had a few swing and misses, not in-state. Um, they went after Jizzle James, who was a point guard that I think would have been a big pickup. And it was kind of funny when he was being recruited. Our, our message board just kept going, this guy's name is Jizzle James. And I was like, okay, well, let me tell you, if you don't like that, um, that's the son of Edron James, if you guys remember. Oh, wow. uh, yes. Um, and I was like, if, if that makes it easier for you, just go with that. Well, he winds up signing with Cincinnati, so that was an early miss. But um, they've, I think they have a really good recruiting staff. I mentioned Antonio Reynolds-Dean. He's a guy who played high school basketball in Georgia. Uh, he's a guy that knows the state well. They got Eric Pastrana, who did a really good job recruiting for Mike at Florida, and he was previously at Oklahoma State, which is where he recruited M.A. Moncrief, who is now – uh, at Georgia. Uh, Akeem Mistine as well uh, was on the Florida staff. He's at Georgia too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they understand that they have got to do a better job in their own backyard. I don't think that they're going to limit it. I think that they understand um, that they can go elsewhere, which like right now it looks like the biggest guy they're going after is going to be Asa Newell in Florida. I think he's a five-star power forward um, his brother's a walk-on at Georgia. I'm sure that's just a coincidence that they went and got <laughs> his brother to uh, walk on to this team. But uh, the, I've had people tell me that guy might wind up being uh, the top player in the country for his class when it's all said and done. So I think they're being really smart about not just saying, well, we're going to build a you know a, uh, a wall around the state of Georgia. Uh, but they've also done a good job too. And, and I think this in this era of basketball is what probably intrigues me the most is that the portal allows you to bring guys home if guys yeah. went and, and signed elsewhere. And if they're not happy and they did a pretty good job of that, 
uh, this past off season, uh, getting guys like Frank Anselm, uh, who was at Syracuse, and, and a couple other guys who had Georgia ties. You know, I think that's an opportunity where if you miss them uh, uh, when they're coming out of high school, you uh, if you talk to them, you say, "Hey, good luck," and you know, if it doesn't work out there, you can come back and, and play in your backyard uh, when you get uh, a chance to look elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, Auburn's Auburn did that with Walker Kessler. Different situation, obviously, but they did it with Katie Johnson, um, who transferred from Georgia because he and uh, he and Tom Cream were not the best of pals. <laughs> and like you know, it, that's the thing—you get that second chance, that third chance in recruiting um, with the portal. I think that's going to be huge for for a lot of programs, especially ones like Auburn, like like Georgia, where you are so close to a lot of elite talent. And you know, it's 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 just the nature of the sport. If you're not a hundred percent completely settled at where you're at when you sign out of high school, it's easy. It's easy just to jump in and go somewhere else. So I, I, I do. I, I am going to be interested to see how Georgia tries to take advantage of that uh, as Auburn has over the last few years. Okay, so the game itself. Um, this is another game, and, and Painter, if you if if, if you want to chime in here with 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 the some like we've talked about this Painter before, like these are games where like when a team is better at defense and offense, you're like, okay, well that could help Auburn, but also if they're def- like if Auburn's offense is having an off night, this is this is a kind of a scary proposition. Um, the turnover thing, it's just like I don't want to kind of make it where it's like whoever turns the ball over the least is going to win this game. Auburn's a more talented team. They're 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 the better better off team at this point. But you are playing in Athens. It's a, a bad Georgia team you had to escape against last year. Like, kind of what is what is everybody's kind of feel on this game? Painter, I'll start with you, and then then Jordan, you can kind of kind of hop in. This is this is me kind of borrowing from from Pablo, and certainly you've talked about it too, Justin. I'd love to see like a more hyper aggressive. Jalen Williams over the next couple of games. Janai Broom looked good. I guess this has always been a fairly guard-centric uh, Pearl team. So, like, I, I'm just curious to see what the strategy looks like, if they're going to start doing things a little differently against uh, a capable defense. I don't know. I just kind of gotten used to beating Georgia. Like, my expectation is Auburn wins this game because they have a first-year coach, and Bruce Pearl's been here almost a decade. Um I don't know, I feel like this is one thing where I feel like Auburn actually has the upper hand in, which is kind of nice. I, I would say to me this matchup, and I have seen more signs of it in the last few weeks, but as they were playing these non-con games, again, a lot of those games where they were more talented, uh, that Georgia was more talented than the opponent, I just kept saying, I'm not seeing the work from the bigs that I think has to you know, take place for them to win a lot of SEC games. And I saw more of that in like that Notre Dame game that I mentioned earlier where Braylon Bridges and M.A. Moncrief played really well. But to me, this is a proven ground. Again, I agree with Painter. I mean, I don't expect Georgia to win this game. But I want to see how Georgia's bigs play because there's going to be a lot of matchups this year. I'm thinking about that Kentucky game, and I'm just like, I don't know what these guys are going to do going up against an Oscar Shebway. Um, and, and they play I, and, Flor- and Georgia plays Florida right after they play Auburn, and I know Auburn, you know the whole, not the whole reason, a big reason why they were able to escape against Florida and, and, and grind out that win is the fact that they were able to hold a guy in Colin Castleton into a pretty low night. And yeah, like if if your front court's not playing at the peak of its powers, SEC play could be pretty tough because there's a lot of good bigs in this league and a lot of teams that like to for you know feed it through their their offense or yeah. their offense through those guys. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, to me, that that is where it starts and where it ends for, for Georgia this season. And, and again, credit to a lot of these guys. Credit to a guy like Braylon Bridges who could have left. But, you know, I think he's played really well. I mean, I don't think you should discredit what he's done or discount it. Um, but I, I haven't seen anything in non-con that makes me say this team is going to be the surprise of the SEC. I, I had them before the year, I think, going 5-13 and 13 in SEC play, which, again, they won one game last year. That's, uh, I think, a pretty good accomplishment. But they have got to find a way to battle down low. They've got to find a way to just keep rebounding numbers tight in these games. And, and that's that's a big thing that just intrigues me. I, I really do like Georgia's guard play. I think probably Terry Roberts has been their best pickup from the portal, and M.A. Moncrief probably right there along with him. Um, but they've gotten good guard play. they got to take care of the ball, value the basketball more. But it begins and ends, in my opinion, with their bigs. And if they're able to, to go up and be physical enough – in this very first SEC game, and then say, all right, we'll get ready for 17 more uh, games just like that. And going off of what you guys have just said, it's like it's like Painter said, can you see a more aggra- aggressive Jalen Williams? Because there's been stretches where Jalen Williams has played really, really good basketball. Another Georgia guy um, just played really, really well and has, has been kind of a leader for Auburn. But I, I think it's – to me, it's his personality and kind of his vibe. It's like he is not the alpha male, like, go get – give me the ball and let it get out of the way. That's a, that's never been Jalen Jalen's vibe. I mean, this is a dude who played point guard at his size in high school, and he's been such a good distributor and facilitator. He's such a great teammate that he doesn't get selfish on the floor. Uh, but I think you want to say that. And then on top of that, you know, can Auburn take advantage of – if, if, if like Jordan's saying, and Georgia's bigs aren't – you know, playing at a super, super high level right now. You've got Janai Broom, the transfer from Warhead State, who is seven straight games with double-digit uh, points. He's rebounding the ball really, really well. Uh, was a key reason why they beat Florida, uh, you know, last time out. That'll be key. Because I, I do think Georgia is a lot like some of the teams that Auburn has played this, at this point, better on defense and offense. But they got some guards that can that can get some buckets on you. Um, and so that's going to be an interesting challenge. But, like, can Auburn lean on it as, you know, it, it's been so rare that we've been able to say this, but Auburn's strength is, on offense, is putting the ball through their bigs and letting those guys score and, and kind of operate. And so it'll be a very different kind of feel in a lot of ways from this Auburn-Georgia matchup than a lot of the ones we have, we've seen recently. So um, that's on Wednesday night. Auburn is projected on Ken Palm to win by six. I would imagine the line is going to be somewhere around that kind of neighborhood. Um, Auburn's got a pretty clean bill of health. Uh, it's interesting to see kind of what, uh, what, what the situation might be with Chance Westry just because we haven't seen him as much. And I, I, uh, I think that, I think that knee might be bothering him a little bit more. Um, Georgia is Georgia okay health wise? Like they're they're obviously playing pretty deep on their bench at the moment. Yeah, so it was interesting through December they were dealing with a lot of it was a weird combination of injury and illness. I mean they, mm-hmm. they just had guys out. Uh, M A Moncrief dealt with an ankle for a little bit. Cario was dealing with a knee. Uh, I mean I think the biggest thing, and at least now they've had a, a couple games without him, was Kyron Lindsay leaving. I, I think he was a guy that they really liked a true freshman uh, who at one point was a UNLV commit and then Mike White and his staff come in. They wind up getting him to come to Georgia. And uh, he, he doesn't show up to the Chattanooga game, and we all go, 
That's weird. And uh, Mike White's really mum about what's going on there. He's like, look, I can't really talk about it other than he's not with the program right now. And I think it might have been later that night he goes into the portal. So that's probably the biggest thing is just that they kind of have to adjust, um, you know, probably that four position more than anything and knowing that he was a guy that, again, really early on this year, he wound up putting up a double-double. And I think he was a guy that was going to have to develop. I don't think that he was going to be a guy that was going to be a mainstay in the starting lineup. He kind of had to step up while M.A. Moncrief was hurt. Um, but he was a guy that I think in the future could have been a really productive player. We'll be really interested in where he winds up in the portal. Um, but other than that, they're healthy now. And I think they kind of are grateful that they made it through December because they had to move up people around. They had a couple different lineups and had to kind of fill space while people were hurt, while people were sick. Um, maybe that'll benefit them going into conference play and that they knew they could put people in different roles because they really had no other choice. All right, so that is Auburn-Georgia basketball Wednesday night. Uh, We will do a premium podcast later this week of some kind about Auburn-Georgia hoops. Uh, I will be in Athens uh, for the game uh, and uh, looking forward to that, looking forward to seeing Jordan. Jordan, uh, you've got to go to L.A. at some point, uh, but hanging around here for a little while. Yeah, yeah, I'll fly out Thursday afternoon, and this is one of the really nice things. My fiance's family is from just north of L.A., so I'm going to crash with them for a day before going to the media hotel. So it's been a busy uh, couple weeks. I stayed pretty much all of last week in Atlanta because um, they had media availabilities and things like that. Uh, It was nice to get home early Sunday morning, hanging out and kind of chilling out and It'd be nice to see you guys uh, for the Auburn basketball game, and then it's pretty much right straight into it. But uh, it's been an exciting time, and, and definitely an exciting program, and uh, to follow, and and really fascinating to get a chance. I, I'm really lucky. This will be the second national title I've ever covered. I covered Georgia and Alabama uh, when um, they played in Atlanta a few years ago. So definitely consider myself lucky to get an opportunity to be this busy this time of year. And we'll talk. We'll talk some some football here to wrap up the podcast. Before we do that, though, we got to take care of some business. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you. Uh, we appreciate your uh, your patronage. Um, if you want more of the podcast, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer um, and get all of uh, my writing on the newsletter side, and also all of our podcasts. Uh, Friends of the program are, is usually a a, a paid podcast. Uh, but we unlocked it this week uh, for the free one since we had the scheduling um, sh- uh, shake up here with with the with the holiday. Uh, but you can get that. You can get our premium podcast, so you get twice as much of this podcast. You get all the newsletters sent straight to your email inbox uh, pretty much every morning around 6 a.m. Central Time. Uh, insight on Auburn football and Auburn basketball like you get here on this podcast. So sign up, auburnobserver.com. Once you're in, you're in. We email everything to you. Uh, and you can also give gift subscriptions and all that good stuff uh, at the Observer. There's another way you can help us out without any money down. Painter, let them know how what you can do. Rate, review, subscribe, leave a little note, one or two lines on Apple Podcasts, uh, five stars. We love that. And subscribe, follow on the uh, on the podcast feed, so it'll download for you. It'll be right there whenever you need it. Yeah, and so if you're if you're a subscriber, you get your own special link to get all of the the paid and the free episodes all at the same time. Um, you can also check out uh, our 
We've got a new thing now where if you're in the free feed, whether it's on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever, you can listen to previews of our premium podcasts. You can check those out uh, as well. And, yeah, like Painter said, give us a review. Um, give us five stars. Say something nice about Painter in it. We will read it on the air because we are vain people. Um, and you can also give five stars on Spotify and other spots as well. Also, this podcast um, also would also like to shout out our good friends at homefieldapparel.com, Homefield Apparel, the number one place to get premium vintage collegiate apparel. There's a lot of good Auburn basketball designs. Uh, I saw our friend... Uh, our friend Ryan stared, and the pe- the Auburn Peacock design from last season was the number two selling shirt on home field for all of last year. And then there was also, Painter, we've talked about it. I think also in the top ten was that really cool orange uh, Ever to Conquer Auburn basketball shirt, very Beard Eves uh, kind of vibes uh, there. That was the top ten seller. So Auburn fans have been buying up uh, at home field and uh, there's a lot of really good Auburn basketball designs uh, to get you in the season. If you want to look ahead to Auburn baseball season, we don't cover Auburn baseball, but I know a lot of y'all are interested. There's some cool Auburn baseball designs on there as well. And uh, also, you can buy the official Auburn Observer T-shirt from Home Field Apparel. And uh, Jordan is wearing his right now on the podcast. So, Jordan, I, we need a live review of the T-shirt right now. It, it's it. It, it's fantastic. And I don't know if you remember this the last time I was on with Ben Wolk. It it had arrived that day. Yeah. I, I, I went to the mailbox and got it and thrown it, threw it on. I love home field. I have multiple drawers in my house full of home field shirts. And you mentioned number two. If I'm not mistaken, I think number one was Georgia's national championship shirt that they put out last year. So there's, if you're an Auburn fan, if you're a Georgia fan, there's so much good gear. And, and guys, you know, I've been trying to save up for a wedding for next year, and you don't know how hard it's been to look at some of the home field shirts. And I'm just like, God, I'd love that. I want that so, so badly. So, so maybe when it comes that time, that might be. Maybe I'll. That's what we'll do. We'll we'll put our wedding registry. Home field will be one of the uh, places people can get us some items. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code Observer to get fifteen percent off. Uh, your first order if it is your first time ordering at Homefield. So go to Homefield Apparel. Get you if you got some money in your pocket from after after uh, the holidays. It's a good it's a good investment. Uh, be comfortable. Homefieldapparel.com. All right. Um, let's switch over to football a little bit. Painter, I know it seemed at least I hadn't listened to all of it yet. It seemed at least on Friends of the Program, y'all discussed uh, the weekend that was in college football, and and y'all mentioned some, y'all mentioned some things about Georgia's win. I know, I know, I know, Stetson Bennett and JT Daniels were both mentioned in that in that. Part. First off, first off, just from somebody who covers Georgia, and I know you didn't cover JT, but like, what has that been like? Just kind of seeing like, whoa, like this was. He's at Rice now, and no shade to Rice, but like fourth school, and it's. It's a team in the Conference USA that it's like, it's something when they make a bowl game. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I remember this very distinctly. Two SEC media days ago, JT Daniels is there and he talks. There was a day or two, he was the betting favorite for that year's Heisman. And, and you know, it, it's volatile in the summer and people just like what he had to say, but... I mean, I thought he would have success at West Virginia. I, you know, I didn't think they would be like a playoff contender, but I figured, yeah, they'll probably win seven, eight games. He's back with Graham Harrell. 
and it did not go well. He turned the ball over a lot. He got benched, I think, at the end of the year. Um, it's definitely bizarre, and again, <laughs> you know, I had mentioned this just this weekend. I mean, I, I still can't really fathom the Stetson Bennett story, but again, like, I mean, JT, Dan- JT Daniels went undefeated as a starter at Georgia. Um, the beginning and the end of it was he just couldn't stay healthy, and he was banged up at the beginning of the 2021 season, and Stet took it and said, all right, I guess we're going to go <laughs> go crazy and, uh, you know, just uh, help the team win a national title. But, yeah, for JT to wind up at Rice, uh, there was part of me I didn't I did not expect this, but I was like, what if he came back to Georgia? After all this stuff, what if he wound up transferring back? But, yeah, very bizarre, bizarre road uh, when it comes to JT Daniels. So, Jordan, George is about to play for another national title, and it's been my opinion for the last couple of years, and I think it's I think it's only gotten more and more true as time has gone on. Like, yes, I understand Nick Saban is still the head coach at Alabama. Yes, I understand that Alabama just signed the number one recruiting class in the country for the 2023 cycle. I, I, I get that. But George is now the one you chase. George is now the one you go after. And for Auburn you're in this uniquely torturous position in that the best dynasty, maybe of the, 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 the 2010s may give way to what is looking like could be the best dynasty of the 2020s. And Georgia, those are your two biggest rivals. So it doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon. They're playing for a national championship against TCU. They're a big favorite against TCU, but who knows? I mean, I don't think very many people thought TCU was going to be Michigan. Um, I want to look beyond the title game and moving forward. A lot of people who are listening to this are Auburn fans, and they're already tired of Georgia being good, and they know Kirby's like a lot younger than, than Saban is, and this is going to be the way for a while. I, I know it's not your job, but like if you can give, like I don't know, solace or comfort or anything like that, is there is there one thing or two things? Is there anything about the way Georgia is right now in the near future where you're just like, okay, they may not just – kill everybody from here on out. Um, is there anything that kind of stands out to you? Because I guess this is a roundabout maybe of me asking, what are they about to do at quarterback now that Stetson, Stetson's gone? Like, well, after after this? Well, yeah, I mean, that was going to be the point I brought up because, I mean, I hate to say it for the Auburn fans, you know, that their defense is going to be what it's been because they this lost is, everybody from that defense last year and they were just as good this year two of their better players now Jalen Carter will be gone they're gonna be losing some guys two of their better players are inside linebackers Jamon Dumas Johnson and Smile Munden they're sophomores Ferg and they've got a true freshman Malachi Starks at safety like those guys can't go anywhere uh, but I think it's quarterback. If you're if you're if you're you know laying in bed at night looking up, uh, you know maybe you're laying in bed and you've got a uh, the the Wolverine meme, but it's of Mark Richt uh, instead. <laughs> instead, but uh, I, I think it's that there is a real question at quarterback because for the first time since probably 1987, uh, Stetson Bennett will not be your uh, your quarterback. Um, I think it's going to be Carson Beck. Uh, he's going to be. Uh, I think he'll be a junior next year, and he's a tall guy that they've uh, they recruited out of Florida, and he's been the the next guy up. Um, you know, when Stetson's come out of games, the the few blowouts that occurred where they kind of had some mop up duty. Got a really big arm. He's not as mobile as Stetson, but I think he's probably got a stronger arm than Stetson has. But it's going to be a competition, and and uh, it'll be him. It'll be Brock Vandergriff, uh, a guy that. Uh, 
uh, Vermont down the road in Bogart, Georgia. Um, a guy that uh, I, I'm interested just to see what his spring looks like because there were a lot of rumors that he could have gone into the portal during December. Um, didn't happen. He's still with the team. Uh, we'll be curious, you know, between uh, um, Carson Beck and and uh, – also Brock Vandergriff, and then Gunnar Stockton, who is a guy that was recruited really hard by Auburn, if you guys mm-hmm. remember when Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator, because Mike had ties to Gunnar's family. Uh, he winds up going to Georgia instead. Um, those three guys will be competing for the job, and, and I'll be curious. I would imagine, especially if it's between Carson and Brock Vandergriff, who doesn't win that job, I, I would anticipate probably goes into the portal and, and sort of seeing where they go next. Um, but my, my thought at this point is that it'll be Carson Beck. He's a guy that um, I think really fits a lot of what they want to do. But there's going to be vulnerability in whoever it is because, you know, Seth Bennett hasn't played perfect, but you kind of know what you're getting with him. And he has had a, a really good season. And uh, um, whoever it is has big shoes to fill because, I mean, you've got people – and, and, you know, I think it's a legitimate conversation talking about is Stetson Bennett the greatest Georgia player ever. Now, you know, just a lot of that's because of his narrative and what he's gone through and what he's accomplished. But you can make that argument. And now whoever it is that replaces him has to say, well, okay, I'm, I'm the QB one now and we got to go out here and try to win games. And they're going to have pieces around him. I think they did a good job be, uh, bringing in two portal receivers and Rara Thomas and Dom- Dominic Lovett. Um, they'll have talent around the quarterback. It's just a matter of how that quarterback plays. Yeah, Auburn really, really, really wanted Rara Thomas, but I think in light of like a lot of battles you have, if you're Auburn against the the likes of Alabama and Georgia, if you have an opportunity to go start at Alabama or Georgia, you're probably going to go do that before you go to Auburn. Like it's just it's very rare that guys, especially transfers, decide to to go to the to the school that's not competing for national championships at the moment. Uh, I, I I'm glad you brought up this with Vandergriff and Stockton because you know obviously Auburn had really really wanted Stockton. Vandergriff's another one that you know I don't know if Auburn was ever really super in the hunt for him, but I do remember people like talking about him as like, hey, Auburn could go after him when he was coming out of high school. It's it's interesting. Like I don't want to. This is all speculation. This is purely speculation on my part. But like, what happens when you go through the spring and it's Carson Beck? And Vandergriff and Stockton are like not getting any younger, potentially making a move. That seems to me the type of kind of quarterback that you could see Auburn going off and getting. Because um, the transfer portal right now, by the way, uh, Sunday, uh, Grayson McCall pulled out of the portal. He's not going anywhere. I think that ought to tell you kind of what happened. Because Auburn was in on him, Florida was in on him. Uh, a lot of people thought he could end up at Liberty. I think that ought to tell you kind of how there were some circumstances out of a lot of people's control that that made that happen but you know you had Devin Leary go to Kentucky um it doesn't seem to be a ton of juice behind Spencer Sanders uh and and some others that that Auburn has at least been linked to there might be some guys who pop into the portal here after bowl season and, and and there's a window still left but like the more time goes on the more it seems like if Auburn does get a transfer quarterback, and I think they're going to have to, and we'll see what happens with TJ Finley. Um, you know, since he's already made that move, it seems like he needs to graduate first before he, if he wants to be eligible immediately with his next spot, uh, if it's not Auburn. It does seem to me like a guy like Stockton or a guy like Vandergriff would make a ton of sense for a place like Auburn where maybe those guys, 
and no one and kind of remembering them from high school seems like a lot better fits for Hugh Freeze offense. Um, you know, like can, can those guys that are a little on, a literal ugh, sorry, they're a little on the small like shorter side, but well, I guess Vandergriff's a taller dude. Can get the get the ball out quick uh, is kind of their thing, and I and I and I do wonder. Just keep an eye on that with Georgia. I think I think Auburn fans should keep an eye on what Georgia does in the quarterback battle because if they don't get a guy at quarterback in the transfer portal here these next few weeks or months, where you're just like, that's our dude, and you want to bring somebody in who will at least compete with Robbie Ashford. Like, you're, can you go get another Ashford? Can you go get another Finley? And Georgia could have one of those coming up to you, and at least would be guys. That are right down the road, kind of like what we were saying with, with, uh, with, with basketball just a moment ago. I know it's a different staff, but like if you don't hit the guy on the on the first try when he goes in the portal, you might have a really good shot. So, just talking through this, it's like that. That to me is a situation. These 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 bigger name programs, these elite programs right now, when you are not going to start, if you go into the portal, this is where a team like Auburn, who is in a tier below right now, I think can can take advantage. And obviously. People think the world, especially Vandegriff and, and and Stockton as well as quarterbacks, is just only one dude can play quarterback <laughs> at Georgia. And and when you're an elite program, you recruit a ton of them, like 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 they do every year. Yeah, and, and you know, if I'm not mistaken, I think Brock may have some ties to Auburn. I think maybe I thought his... he did. Yeah, Kenny Dillingham recruited him. That's how that's how far back that was. <laughs> I haven't heard that name in years. Uh, but it's uh... fu- it's funny. I'm looking at his his two four seven page right now. His primary recruiters are right here. So, Georgia's primary recruiter was Dan Lanning, now the Oregon head coach. His Oklahoma primary recruiter was Shane Beamer, now the South Carolina head coach. Uh, his primary recruiter at Alabama was Charles Kelly, who is now at Colorado. Uh, his secondary recruiter, uh, recruiter at Alabama was Steve Sarkeesian, who's now at Tennessee. And then his primary recruiter for Auburn was Kenny Dillingham, who's now the head coach at Arizona State. So, it's like – and that was – I mean, that was two classes ago. <laughs> like, yeah, it was not that long ago. And, and, and the th- the thing, too, with Brock, you know, there was like a month between games for Georgia. So, you know, you have all kinds of people, especially on like our message board, you know, bringing up rumors and things like that. And people were saying, well, Brock may go in the portal right now. And, you know, Georgia Southern was mentioned with Clay Helton down there. But, you know, I never heard anything that was concrete, and I was sitting there thinking, why would he leave now? I mean, the job's going to be open. You want to put yourself into a position where you can at least compete for it because everybody knew Stetson was going to be the starter this year. You know, there was no going into uh, the 2022 season where you said, well, maybe in spring I can really get my, my way going and, and put myself in there. I mean, Stetson was going to be the quarterback. But now that you have an opportunity to go earn it, I mean, for all these guys, you know, come back, try to compete for it, show them what you got, and then if you decide, hey, I'm not going to be the starter, I should be uh, looking elsewhere, there will be opportunities after spring. And I expect, you know, one of those guys will probably go in the portal and try to land somewhere where they can start in 2023. By the way, uh, the connection, and, and I should have remembered this, the connection that Brock Vandergriff has to Auburn is that he grew up an Auburn fan. Uh, he's oh. a big Auburn fan. I'm looking, this is an old interview from him. Uh, from when he was in high school, he said, I've had to throw up my feelings out the window with Auburn. I grew up a diehard Auburn fan and loved going to watch them play every season as we had season tickets. So, again, that would be another one where you would just be like, if a guy like him entered the portal, obviously Gunnar Stockton. I, I think there's just that kind of tier that would make sense if Auburn does not get a guy that you, you know, and, and, and you know, more guys can pop into the portal here over the next next few months. But 
Auburn fans out. Keep an eye on that Georgia battle. Just because, not just because whoever, the Georgia battle may determine if Georgia is going to beat everyone forever for the rest of eternity, or like it could potentially end up being something that could affect how Auburn recruits and how Auburn attacks the portal. But yeah, it's it's interesting because like you can't even say it with defense anymore with Georgia because you lost more defensive talent than I think any defense has ever lost before. And then they're like, and then they beat the breaks off of Oregon in week one with that defense. And that Oregon team ends up being a pretty good Oregon team. Bo has a really good season at Oregon. Um, so it's like, you can't even say that anymore. Uh, I just, yeah, it's just where that quarterback position goes. Georgia is going to be fine, obviously moving forward. But like that, I am interested because you you seem to strike gold with with Stetson. Like you're not going to get another guy quite like Stetson Bennett. And it's so weird because Georgia's had this run here now, where it's like, well, we we we've built this Death Star in recruiting, but our best quarterbacks are guys who weren't awesome recruits. And like, is it, what happens if that flips? Like, what happens when that when that the when that switch turns where it's like, oh, and now they're going to be crazy, like. I keep watching Justin Fields in the NFL, and I know the Bears suck, but like he keeps like he had a hundred, he had like 120 rushing yards in the first quarter yesterday. Um, like I keep looking at that as like, well, what if what if that would have worked out, or like what if what if you know this or that would have happened? And so I just Georgia with and like a quarterback that everybody thought was going to be awesome coming out of high school. Like I, I conventional wisdom says it's going to work well, but like there's also part of me that's like. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, maybe they're just weird. Maybe this is just a weird team, and they just need somebody who can just move the ball to to the to those guys. Yeah, I mean, it'll be something to watch. I mean, and and Kirby got the knock for quarterback for a while. I mean, you know, they had oh, Jacob yeah. Eason. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's what everybody said. They'll never, they'll they'll never get over the hump because they can't figure out their offense, and they'll, they're always making the wrong decisions at a quarterback. And it's like, well, your offensive coordinator is a dude that probably should be in the NFL still. It's weird that he did, that he didn't stay there um or that he did he uh, didn't get fired or something or let go or he, it was just Yeah, he was in Cleveland when I think that was the Freddie Kitchens year and so they cleaned staff and he had been with the Buccaneers before that with Dirk Cutter and those and guys He's like got a fired. really good he's like a really good uh play caller. Uh his, and, his play and, call and, and a fantastic. It's like on the, in the semifinal yeah. when when it was like, hey, we're gonna run, we're gonna run quarterback counter with uh, with with uh, with Stetson Bennett in the red zone. They're not gonna see that coming. It's like, yeah, it's just stuff like that. Yeah, and he's a great interview though. We never get him because why would we? But we got to talk to him last week, and uh, someone asked him if he was familiar with Jim Knowles, Ohio State's defensive coordinator. Knowles came from Oklahoma State, and Todd said. Uh, yeah, I'm. I've never played him, but my son's a, a student assistant at Oklahoma State. He kind of waited a beat, and he said he didn't tell me, and I'll censor it. He said he didn't tell me crap, and he just looks at us. He goes, "It's sad." <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it, he was great. He was a great interview. Uh, Jordan, I, well, I, my this this thing has been sticking out to me in my head about Georgia for the last few years. Um, their running backs, they just keep having dudes. Where it's like anybody who can get the ball is going to be like you know Zamir White, James. Like they 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 haven't had like a Nick Chubb or a DeAndre Swift or a guy where you're just like Sony Michelle, where you're just like, oh okay, this is this is the guy you can project him to superstardom in the NFL and all that. Um, 
And it's funny because I because I just looked it up. The stats are or he only ran the ball. He only this shows you how weird my brain is. He only ran the ball three times in the semifinal, but he had a t- he had a touchdown. I, I I swear Kendall Milton looks like looks like the second coming of one of those guys, and it's just like you look at no, nah, he's a third running back. He's number three running back on the team. He's going to get a few carries a game. Like it's just I, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, man. It does not make sense. What's funny, and I I don't know if you guys saw this. There's a play early on where there was a read, and if Kendall gets the ball, he runs down the field probably like 50 yards for a touchdown. And our board was freaking out on this, but Stetson made the right read. The defensive end crashed, so he kept the ball went outside. Well, an Ohio State linebacker picked him up and, and forced a stop. And everybody's like, "Why didn't they give it to Kendall?" And all that. It's like, well, Stetson made the right read, but Kendall's been one of the developments of the back half of the season. He's a guy that has dealt with injury and and was banged up in fall camp. Came on, played okay. I kind of thought he played timid early in the year, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he hurts his groin against Auburn, misses a few games, and then he's come back, and, dude, he I, he has been one of the most impressive players. Hadn't got a ton of carries, which is probably a good thing, um, but had a big run against Georgia Tech, played really well against LSU, and, um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that they – with him and Kenny McIntosh, those were the two lead backs coming into this year. They, they were thought to be the guys. And uh, they've had to have other guys step up while Kendall was hurt. Um, Dejon Edwards has looked good. That dude's a bowling ball. I mean, he, he's not going to get you a lot of yards, but he's going to bounce off guys and turn probably a four-yard run into an eight-yard run. And Branson Robinson's a guy that, if you guys remember – Two summers ago, he was at a rivals camp and became a meme just because of how bulked up he was. I mean, he looked, oh, yeah, like Nick, yeah, yeah. he looked like Nick Chubb, and he was like, you know, 17 years old. And he's looked good. I think you've seen that he's still a true freshman. He's still kind of learning what he's doing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they haven't run the ball a ton, and, and I think they've done a much better job probably throwing the ball than running it. But they've still got talented running backs, and they're, they're able to break plays when they get the chance. They're, they're, you know, we, we say it all the time, Painter. No one, no one in college football has to deal with what Auburn has to deal with. And, uh, I think the, I think the proof is in the machines, uh, on either side of them right now. Um, but you know, it's the interesting thing. And, and I read about it in the observer on Monday, but I went, so this, this year for college football had so many year one successes a whole lot more than usual. TCU's in the national title game. LSU won the SEC West. USC was awesome in year one. Uh, you also had some really good seat like Troy, which I'm very happy about. Wins the Sun Belt. Um, you know, even teams like Notre Dame and Oregon and and others that had some slip ups. You feel pretty good about where they are. This was a year where year one coaches had a ton of success. Uh, you know, more so than than usual, and. You know, you look at uh, you look at um, Auburn in year one next year. Like what you have the success. One of the things that is interesting, and we we said this when we said this when Brian Harson got the job in twenty twenty one. It's not perfect. It's always going to be a tough schedule. But like, man, a year one schedule for Hugh Freeze is not is not bad. It's not bad at all. All four of their non-conference games, they should be pretty sizable favorites for it. You get Georgia and Alabama at home, and like this might be the last really good schedule you have where it's kind of imbalanced a little bit more towards your favor before the great reset that's about to happen where 
Texas and Oklahoma coming to the league and everything changes with the with the schedule and whatnot. So I, I just think like yeah, I mean it's not Georgia because Georgia's and I think I think where you where where you say like with Auburn, oh Georgia's the team you're chasing. Everybody thinks it's Alabama. No, Georgia's the one you're chasing now. I think the proof is in the fact that Auburn's been able to beat Alabama. They just can't beat Georgia. Like they, they got they got one. They got one really good one in twenty seventeen. And it's like I guess yeah. I mean, that Auburn team that was falling apart in twenty twenty one almost beat should have beaten Alabama at home. And it's like, what what does that look like next year? And for Georgia, I don't know what Georgia's schedule looks like next season. I don't know, but like if Auburn, if Auburn manages their first part of their their schedule pretty well, um, like they they go to A and M the week before they play Georgia, but say they are four and zero or three and one. Heading into that game, it's like maybe new quarterback number one for okay. I'm looking at Georgia's schedule now. New quarterback for Georgia, this will be their first real test in a good environment because they play UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, and UAB to start the year all at home. Like so that that makes that makes that game a little bit more interesting than than what you usually get from an Auburn Georgia game, even even the ones in Jordan Hare. And I know Jordan Hare hasn't been as scary for Georgia as it's been for Alabama, but that to me is like if you're looking ahead. Also, I just I still hate the fact that, that this Georgia Auburn game like this game's gonna be in September. That's September thirtieth. That I hate sucks. it. Sucks. I hate it's it so, so bad. Much. It's so bad. But yeah, it's a roundabout way of saying like I, I'm really interested to see where Georgia goes after this. They still got a national title play play for obviously, but like, what does Auburn look like? Because the schedule is set up. We'll see what A and M looks like next season. Um, but like, the schedule is set up for them to be in a decent spot before they play Georgia and then they go into that 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 tr- tough stretch in October. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be interesting and one thing that uh, has already been noted, but man, if you're a season ticket holder at Georgia next year, you are getting robbed blind. UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, Kentucky, Missouri, Ole Miss, and you're going to have oh. to sell an arm and a- and to be fair, Oklahoma was going to be on that schedule, and yeah. with them coming into the league, uh, the right. SEC said, and I think Tennessee canceled a series with someone too. So that did kind of put a damper on that, but this schedule next year is not very intriguing, but it will help Georgia from the standpoint of they're going to have a new starting quarterback. We'll have some new starters elsewhere. Um, September, I may try to find an intern. I may take September off because until that <laughs> Auburn game, it's UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina maybe. And yeah. UAB, yeah, I'll, I'll pop in for they're that. They're feisty. One. They're feisty. I figured and I'd go UAB. on the. I figured I'd be on the road, you know, just covering Georgia men's basketball recruiting until that South Carolina game. You know, so, trying to really build up some energy. So who is who is the who is the team that replaced Oklahoma on that schedule? That'd be the Ball State Cardinals, uh, Ferg. <laughs> to be fair, it really was kind of late in the going when you talk right, about right, scheduling. Right, right. They didn't have a lot, but it was like. Yippee, we get to watch Ball State. I wonder if Nate Davis will be there. I'd like to see. Remember, remember Nate Davis? Yeah. Ball State, by the way, uh this season was five and seven. They almost made they almost made made a ball game. Uh but uh you know what? Looking at their schedule, they probably were still better on defense than Oklahoma was this year. So <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I I have a weird fascination with like some of the Mac teams like Ball State. Like I'll be like, Yeah, that's Mike New, that's the coach. He used to coach at the Saints and I'm like, Why do I know that? 
Like that that value. I, I, I did not know, know where Mike New was from. I, I didn't know that. He played at Ball State, I think. I okay. think he's got ties to Ball State, but I'm like My Mac knowledge is I have a I have a gap in my Mac knowledge. I, I have I have realized that. Like everybody gets fired up where it's like Tuesday night or Wednesday night or it's like, Oh, we're watching the Mac. I'm like, Why? Why are you why are you doing that? No, stop it. Stop it. Well, I had a weird thing for a long time, and it's not as sharp as it used to be, but, like, I could pull – I would hand someone a Phil Still and say, turn to a random page, I could tell you the head coach. I don't know. I had that kind of memory. <laughs> and, uh, no, I didn't. I didn't have a girlfriend in high school. Why'd you ask for it? My, my, my thing for that has always been – not as head coaches. My thing has always been – you can name any Division One basketball team, and I can tell you their mascot. I remember you and, telling me about that. Yeah, that was the fun. And one time I was on Sports Call, and they had the they had the it was right after the tournament got announced, like the bracket got announced, and they didn't think I could get all sixty eight, and I did. Like on the air, it was probably the worst radio segment ever, but like I was very proud of myself. What was the hardest one that they threw at you that you had to think? Uh, it, it it's always like a team up in the Northeast. It's like I always get like when you think of like um, the Northeast Conference, the Metro Atlantic, like all those weird champions, and you're like, is that team the Eagles or are they the Cougars or are they the yeah? So I remember I remember getting it and uh, and it was I had to like really really rack my brain for it, but uh, yeah, this is uh this is the stuff I decided to put in my head instead of like very important things. It's uh, like what are what are my... taxes? It's like oh I don't know, but I can I... tell you. I could tell yeah. you the mascot. That's what I was just looking at. The ones that always mess me up are the California schools. I'm just always like, oh, yeah. oh that one's the banana slugs, and it's like, no. I'm like, oh that one, and I'm like, no, not that one either. Uh, I always get, uh, I always get tripped up with like the the directional, like like Central Connecticut and like Northeastern, and like like I always, I always get tripped up on those. I need to find which one I was talking about. I'm sure it's important, and I'm sure people care. Um, but uh, yeah, I, that's that's all I've got, Jordan. I appreciate you hopping on with us and talking some talking some basketball and some, and some football. Painter, you got anything for Jordan? The only thing I would really add is uh, you know Alabama Georgia master class of college football. Maybe a passing of the torch. Who knows? You know, you've talked a little bit about covering Kirby it seems like it's easy to like him uh, as somebody who actually interacts with him yeah I mean he's fine he's not the warmest guy sometimes but he, he's fair I mean that's my thing he's fair you give him a bad question you'll probably not get a great answer but he's always you know a lot of the stuff that I write tends to be about guys about players and you know ask him about development and stuff like that and he's always great and he I, we talked about this painter before we started recording he he's got a genuine relationship with his players and you can see you know when we went in we had a i think 20 minutes last night um of locker room access after that i guess that was two nights ago um uh, locker room access after the sugar bowl and as we walked in there kirby was just kind of finishing up talking to players and just patting them on the back you know kind of giving um, them props for what they had done and you know i, I think uh, that he he's that type of coach i do think he cares about his players and at the end of the day, 
you know, as someone covering these guys, I mean, the, I don't think that can be discounted to see a guy that I do think genuinely cares about his players. Uh, when guys leave, if guys transfer, I do think, you know, he spoke really well when Demetrius Robertson transferred to Auburn. You know, if you guys remember that media days, he said, look, he, he did everything we asked of him. He graduated from Georgia. You know, we want to see him do well. I, I, you know, he was a former player. He was a safety at Georgia. I, I think that he does care about these kids and wants to see them do well. They ask a lot of these guys, the demands at Georgia, they talk about the standard is really high, and it really is. They ask them to do a ton, and that's what's been funny the last few weeks hearing from guys like Kyrus Jackson, um, some of the older guys that have been through it. They've been like, you know, those first few winter workouts, I looked at myself and was like, man, do I want to play football anymore? I mean, it's like, you know, they ask a lot, but I, I think that they, I think guys like Kirby understand that eventually the, the players are going to see it pay off in some form or fashion. And for a lot of these guys on this team, right now it stands as all that work uh, has got them where they're a win away from winning their back-to-back, uh, you know, two consecutive national championships. The other thing about Kirby, and I, uh, you you may be able to correct me if I'm wrong, there are some times, it's not as often as it used, it used to be, there's some times, though, when, like, Saban will say something and you'll just be like, yeah, buddy, like, like, It'll be something like, oh, you know, I can't believe this is happening, or you know, this. It just, it's like this weird lack of self awareness. Whereas, like, I've never really gotten that from Kirby, where like Kirby doesn't really like play the play the like. Well, if we're gonna we're gonna play football like that, I guess we'll have to do that then. Like, you know, I, I haven't heard Kirby do that. The only thing is I've ever seen Kirby do is like get like open records laws and Georgia changed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he runs the state of Georgia. Don't let anyone tell you any differently. Yes, he might, he might as well be. He's actually really tight with Brian Kemp, uh, so, I mean, he might as well be. But, yeah, and it's funny, too, and I get why these questions get asked because he's one of the premier coaches right now, but people will ask him, you know, well, what are your thoughts on the 11, you know, the 12-team playoff? And uh, he's like, nah, we'll see. I mean, like, he, he, he really doesn't try to – he, a lot of the time, he doesn't really try to use his platform to say, "Well, this shouldn't be happening." We, he, you know, he's yeah, usually yeah, yeah. he's usually really level headed and saying, "Look, there will be stuff I like, and there will be stuff we don't." But it was the same way with the fourteen playoff. There were positives and there were negatives. So, you know, he's usually really kind of level headed in how he responds. And I, I do think he's learned how to work with the media. I think he was kind of combative when he was first hired because think about it, Alabama. You know, assistants aren't you know, really dealing with the media. I think they talk maybe once or twice a year. So having to do it, you know, on a, on not a daily basis, but a pretty regular basis, I think that was something new to him. I, I think he's learned. I think he has grown an understanding that he can use media interactions to his advantage. And I think on the whole, he's pretty smart about what he says, what he shares, what he doesn't share. Um, even if sometimes that's not always our favorite thing, what he doesn't share. Uh, by the way, the uh, the team that I just remember gave me the hardest time. It was actually the year Auburn went to the Final Four, um, and it was Fairley Dickinson who was a number. It was a 16 seed that year. Fairley Dickinson is the Knights. In case you're Knights. wondering, their logo is like the chess piece knight. Okay. And I well, I'd never even heard of hard. that college. So props to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's in New Jersey. It's uh, it was it's it's not a very good school usually. In basketball, but uh, yeah, that year they won the uh, the grand old Northeast Conference, which has uh, other fine programs such as St. Francis of Pennsylvania, Wagner, Sacred Heart. Now they have Stonehill and Merrimack. 
Central Connecticut, St. Francis of New York, and LIU. So if you want to really, really impress your, impress your friends, uh, tell them you know what the Fairleigh Dickinson uh, mascot is. Ferg, uh, Ferg said Fairleigh Dickinson. I thought that was a lady from Murder, she wrote. That was, I think, <laughs> I think got, got those two mixed up. All right, so let's wrap it up there. It got off the rails towards the end, but that's my fault, as always. Uh, Jordan, um, obviously you'll be covering uh, the the dogs when they're in uh, in L.A. for the national title game, but there's a basketball game going on before him, which we started with. If uh, people want to get more of the Georgia perspective uh, heading into this game and kind of, you know, Auburn has to play him again uh, later in the year, uh, where should they go? Yeah, Dogs247, you can follow me on Twitter at Jordan Davis Hill or at Dogs247. We got a 50% off deal, if I'm not mistaken, still going. And uh, you guys, Auburn fans are going to want to get on that because that means you can also go read Auburn Undercover, Nathan King, Christian Clemente, those guys. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's going to be a great mix of men's basketball coverage. We'll probably get to talk to Mike White. Uh, I'm assuming that's going to be on Tuesday and uh, talk to a couple players as well, getting for all, getting ready for Auburn. And then uh, a couple days later, fly out to L.A., talk to Kirby and the gang, and uh, get ready for Monday night when they're playing the fighting Jake Weeses of TCU. Go Frogs. Uh, I, th- I feel like it would be very easy for most of the people who are listening to this podcast to be cheering for the Frogs. They're not, not, not too hard. Not, not, not too difficult of a decision there, but – uh, so yeah, we recorded this on Monday morning before we talked to Bruce Pearl and, uh, company, uh, about this Georgia game. There will be, so by the time you're getting to this subscribers, you'll be also be getting a new, ep- a new episode, a new edition of the stretch Four, uh, preview in Auburn, Georgia basketball. And, um, yeah, we will be back. I'll be in Athens. Like I said, we will have coverage of Auburn, Georgia hoops, and we'll do a podcast later in the week, recapping all the action. That's it for me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you once again to Jordan for hopping on and being such a great guest. Painter, final thoughts. Jordan, where are we eating these days? What's the what's the spot? Are we talking about in Athens? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I would go with Blind Pig. Always a big fan of Blind Pig. Uh, Butt Hut's got really good barbecue. And then if you're getting breakfast, you got to go where uh, Ferg and us went uh, when they were here the last time. We'll go to Mama's Boy. Absolutely have to go to Mama's Boy. 